Ross Anderson. I'm one of our teaching pastors here at Alpine Church. Uh, we're in our Advent series. Let's, let's go talk about this. This is great. This series has been really encouraging uh, to us. It has been to me and to so many others. I've heard some great things. And so um, I'm looking forward to sharing with you some things today that hopefully will be an encouragement to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all that you have done in the, this world, this needy, broken world, and sending your Son, our Savior, to, to come and to take our sins and to expose your kingdom and to, to change lives and to change the course of history. Father, we pray that, that we would appreciate today, that we would, as we think about what you've done, that, that you would stir up within our hearts a, a joy that can't be explained, that comes just from you, and that, that it would overflow in our lives this week. This would be a week of great joy. Um, we know that, Father, not everybody is feeling joy right now with the challenges of life, with, with lost loved ones, and, and with some other things that are just part of the broken world that we live in. And we pray, Father, that you give us your joy, um, that you stir that up within us today as we hear from you. Speak to our hearts, speak to our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're in this, our third week and final week of this series. It's an Advent series. What that means is, if you're familiar with Advent, the season of Advent, it's about anticipation. It's about expecting what God might do. And so it goes back to the Old Testament. The, the saints of the Old Testament lived in eager expectation and anticipation of the coming of the Messiah year after year, generation after generation. When will God act in human history to bring his Savior, this King, into the world? And so that, that we reflect on that by, by we're not expecting the, the birth of Jesus now. He's already been born, but we're we're anticipating the celebration of that event, and we're anticipating what God yet wants to do in our lives and in our world around us. So the period of Advent leading up to Christmas is a time of expectation, a time of hope and waiting. And that's what this series reflects as we're waiting on what God is going to do. And so we saw in the first week that as um, God's people expected the, the Messiah to come, that he came in some unexpected ways. He came through an unexpected family. And we looked at his genealogy of Jesus and we saw how God used all these broken people to bring the Savior of the world into, uh, into our human race. And the encouragement of that was that we saw that even as broken as we are, we can be part, become part of his family tree. And then last week, we talked about this unexpected pregnancy that it was incredibly surprising that Mary became pregnant and how she did with Jesus. And we saw that God uses ordinary people like Mary who are willing to accept his call on their life. They're willing to be obedient to him. He uses ordinary people like her and like us to fulfill his plans in the world. And he might do that in some unexpected ways. And today we want to talk about unexpected joy. The joy. We're going to look in Luke chapter 1 today, and we're looking at a story that is just filled with joy. Joy is woven into the fabric of this whole story. Luke wanted us to understand that when Jesus comes into the world, that part of the 
result of that is, is just joy. And so I want you to, to connect with this, to think about this. I want you to try to think about a recent time when you were joyful, when you just felt, you know, this like, wow, this is something amazing going on. This is something that well, blows me away to be part of this. It's humbling. Maybe it was um, a few weeks ago at Thanksgiving, you were joyful because you saw some family members that you don't get to see very often. Or maybe even more recently in the Christmas season, you've had some great gatherings with friends and family and, and done some activities together that have brought you joy. Now, when I think of it, <clears throat> when I, this came, what came to mind was two weeks from today, Sally and I are flying to Orlando, Florida. We're taking our granddaughters to Disney World. Now, I'm not a big Disney fan, I have to admit. Like, I'm kind of a Disney cynic. I'll tell you more about that if you really want to commiserate with me about that later. But um, So I'm not joyful about Disney World. But when I think about these three beautiful granddaughters and spending time with them and seeing how much their joy will light up in the Magic Kingdom. See, they're not paying for it, see, so that's part of it. <laughs> but experiencing, you know, with them the excitement and the joy with the family, that's what turns me on. That's what, what gets, me, gets me pumped up about that. And you know what? Even though I am a Disney cynic, like I said, I, I still find myself telling people about this. I say, man, yeah, we're going to go to Disney World, you know, and um, because it's a joyful thing. And when, when joy is experienced, it's hard for it not to be expressed, right? And so for Christians... When we think about joy, what we're going to see in our passage today is that the, the strongest, deepest joy in life comes from the presence of Jesus. You know, I'm so thankful to God for, for family and these other joyful things that, that He does in my life, and I appreciate the ability to, to experience those things, but ultimately, apart from circumstances of life, the deepest, truest joy comes from being in the presence of Jesus. And that joy then leads us to express it in two ways. We'll express it in praise, that's talking to God about what he's done and who he is in our heart. And we'll express it in proclamation. That's telling other people what God is doing in us and how we feel about it. That's what we see in our passage today. <clears throat> so we begin with this good news it, 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 good news is arriving in, in Luke chapter 1. Good news is happening all over the place, and we see what the response to that is. So <clears throat> we're going to see the storyline here is that Mary, the mother of Jesus, goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth has joyful news. Mary has joyful news. They're going to get together and have a joy fest here. And, um, and so let's, let's set this up. So Elizabeth is older, quite a bit older than Mary, old enough maybe to be her mother, but she and her husband Zechariah have not been able to have children. So they've lived this childless life, they've longed for that, and it's not, it's not happened. And so one day, Zechariah is serving in actually in the temple, and an angel appears to him. Luke chapter 1, then the angel says, I am Gabriel, I stand in the very presence of God, it was he who sent me to bring you the good news. So Gabriel says, Zechariah, I have some great news for you. 
and he proceeds to announce to him that Elizabeth is going to become pregnant and she's going to have a son. And Zechariah, whoa, this is, this is pretty amazing. This is pretty awesome. And he goes on to talk about his, how this son, he tells him what to, what to name his kid. Is you name him John. And this son is going to be a great prophet and he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah that God has long promised that is finally going to come. And so Elizabeth has great news. Now, six months later, this very same angel appears to Mary and announces similar news to, to, to her as well. The angel Gabriel, it was on his job description, like, okay, go announce births you know, to, to people, right? No, he appears to Mary, and he has this similar message to Mary. She says, Mary, you're going to become pregnant. You're going to conceive a child, and your child is going to be awesome. Your child is actually going to be the long-promised Messiah. Going to come through your womb, through your life. Wow. This is really going to happen. God is really going to fulfill his promises. Whoa. But Mary's response is like, wait a minute. How is that going to happen? She says, I'm a virgin. I've, she's, just a, she's just a teenager, really. And, and, and she's going like, wait, I've never had any relationship with a guy. She says, how in the world, I'm not married to anybody, uh, how in the world am I going to have this child? And Gabriel explains to her that this, is, this infant is going to be conceived by a miracle of the Almighty God. I don't know how it works, but God takes them, just creates out of nothing, you know, 23 chromosomes and puts them with Mary's chromosomes, and boom, there, there's, a, there's a, a new life that takes shape within her. And so Mary is so joyful about this. Get your head around this news. Can you imagine what this would be like for her? And so she has to go tell somebody. She goes to tell her cousin Elizabeth. A few days later, <clears throat> right on the heels of this, probably as, as quick as she could get her, her stuff organized, she's heading to another part of town. She, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. Remember, he's the husband. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. And she had to find somebody to rejoice with, somebody to express it. So he went to, she went to another believer, and she went to one who's in, actually in her family, her cousin. And so isn't it great when families come together to share joy of good news? And that can be on so many levels. Like Sally calls her sister Susan all the time. She lives in Florida. And so, but they're on the phone. There's always good news going back and forth. You know, there's some tough news too, you know. And they share each other's burdens, but there's some great news going back and forth. She has to call somebody to tell. Isn't it great when that happens, when we can share good news with somebody? Because joy is meant to be shared, isn't it? Joy isn't meant to be just kept to ourselves. So let me ask you this question this, this morning. Who's in your good news inner circle? Who's your go-to people that you've you got to share that joy with whenever God's at work in your life? Do you have those people? Because I know in our culture today, it's so easy to get isolated. It's so easy to kind of live an individualistic path. And I see so many people, even, even in the church, among God's people, who just kind of show up and, and then scoot out, and they're never involved in any other community. And so they have no one to share good news with 
when it's happening in their lives. And so when God works, man, share it with your family if you can. Now, I know all of us, we don't all have families that are open to that, to, to what God's doing. And I can't necessarily share everything God's doing in my life with my family. They would not receive it. They can receive it to some extent. But I also have the family of faith. I've got, I've got brothers and sisters in Christ who I love to talk about what God is doing in my life. And we, we all have that ability to share with our faith family too. And you know what? Really, there's also people in our lives who are far from God who need to hear good news too. They need to hear the good news that God knows them, that God loves them. And we've experienced that. We can share that with them as well. And so good news is meant to be shared like Mary did. <clears throat> now, back to the story. Mary meets Elizabeth... And two unique things happened in that encounter. Um, as we see how joy comes out of this good news that's shared. So at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? And so, wow, the first thing that happens, we see Mary comes in, she greets Elizabeth. Now, that greeting, I think, from the context, it seems like it's more than just, hey, how are you, you know? It seems like they're, they've been catching up for a minute. And, and Luke doesn't record every detail of every word that they said, but he gives us the gist and the key ideas. So they've been talking to each other because Elizabeth starts to understand what's going on in Mary's life here. And so as they get all caught up about angels and babies and everything that they've been experiencing and they see that there's these shared stories they have together, Elizabeth reveals, she understands, and the Holy Spirit fills her. And so with the Holy Spirit filling her, she has this this knowledge of what this is about, and, and you see that she is filled with joy, that her response is joy, not just for Mary and, and the amazing news that Mary has, but joy for herself as well, because she recognizes that the Messiah is being, being born, this one that we've all longed for. She recognizes that, that Mary is the mother of her Lord. And so, so as the Holy Spirit fills her, she actually prophesies about Jesus, prophesies about Mary. I want you to see there's two emotions that are taking place here, and they're, they really often go together. She's experiencing joy, and she's experienced humility. The joy is the wow. Oh my gosh, the amazing things. What is God doing? What is going on here? And I, and the humility is, often, it often goes with joy because sometimes the joy is go, it's like, wow, but this is happening to me? Like she says, who am I? Who am I that the mother of my Lord should visit me? Why am I so honored? Sometimes the joy is like, wow, I can't believe that God allowed me to be part of this, that God gave me the privilege of being involved in this experience or doing what he did in my life. So joy can be real, really humbling to go, oh man, I did not deserve this, and yet God is doing it. And so the Holy Spirit births in Elizabeth this profound joy, this, this thoughtful humility. See, the Holy Spirit is God. He's the third person of the Trinity. And, and his main 
job description is to work in the world to bring about God's plans, but along with that, he's, he works in God's people to make us more and more like Christ. And so the Holy Spirit is birthing joy and humility in Elizabeth. That's the first thing that happens when Mary walks in the room. The second thing that happened, we see in verse 44, Elizabeth already alluded to it. She tells Mary, when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. So <clears throat> Elizabeth's about six months pregnant, the best we can tell from the chronology. Now, so she can, she can feel the child moving around in there, you know. Um, but this is kind of unique. This is not just, you know, baby kicking and you can, you can feel, I've never been pregnant, of course, so I don't know what it's like, mom, to feel that, you know, um, to feel what that's like. But this is something beyond what is ordinary here, and she recognized it as something very different because she says here that the baby within her actually jumped for joy. I'm not sure how that happens inside the womb. Like the baby planted its feet on one side and just went, whoa! You know? The Holy Spirit's at work. Even in the womb, even in this baby, and so, to put this into context, when that angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah to tell him about the coming, the birth of his own son, John, here's one of the things that he said in verse 15. He said that this child will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. That's because he had a special role to play in God's plan. And this is evidence the Holy Spirit is working in this child. See, this, he has this mission that God gave him to be the forerunner of the Messiah, and it's his job when he, he and Jesus grow up, he's going to go out first and he's going to tell everybody about Jesus, that Jesus is coming. So even from the very beginning, you see these two cousins are, are linked together in their lives. Their, their lives are woven together. So John, with the Holy Spirit's prompting, even, in the, even in, before he's born, recognizes the presence of Mary and the presence of Jesus in her womb. By the way, let me just say that this is one of the biblical evidences that lead us as Christians to understand that, um, that an unborn child is a person, right? Not just a blob of cells, but there's something here about personhood that we can ascribe to John before he's even born. But the point is that here's the Holy Spirit producing joy again. It's all throughout this passage. And so let me ask you today, how did it feel when, when you first met Jesus? Jesus walks into the room. Mary walks into the room. Elizabeth is rejoicing. The baby in her womb is rejoicing. And I can remember years and years ago when I first came to faith in Jesus, there was that. There was that. There was a joyful time. It was like the whole outlook on life was completely different. And it's like, whoa, things made sense that didn't make sense before. And, and it's like, whoa, this, this is like God seemed like he was at work everywhere and involved in everything. Because, see, when, when you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. And, and as he works, we can expect that one of the things he'll do is joy. What are the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Love and joy the Holy Spirit produces. And so, again, joy is everywhere in this story. It's woven throughout. Luke wants us to understand that when Jesus shows up, when the Savior of the world shows up, that, boom, people 
respond with joy. So how about you? How about in your life? Be joyful over God's work, joyful over Jesus' presence. Now, I know this, this can be really challenging sometimes, and the holidays are not always the most joyful time for everybody. I know maybe some of us here today are wrestling with discouragement. I mean, the culture all around us kind of builds it up and kind of creates, I mean, you have these beautiful lights and bells and joyful music and, and all the rest, and it just kind of creates a magical environment, but, but, but it's... Without Jesus, it's only superficial. And, and we find ourselves sometimes like, oh man, my life, my heart, I'm not experiencing everything that everybody's supposed to be experiencing at Christmas because my, this has been a tough year, maybe. Maybe I've lost somebody and they should be here at Christmas and they're not. And Christmas has a big hole in it because of that. Or maybe it's, maybe it's just been tough financially and and um, gosh, I was hearing about people, companies laying people off. It seems like it always happens at Christmas, right? It's the end of the fiscal year. And so there's a lot of reasons why joy can be tough to have. And I don't know about you, but I can't just flip a switch and go, oh, I'm going to be joyful today. Yay. No, but where does the joy come from then? And I think one of the things that Luke is showing us in this narrative is that when Jesus shows up, People become joyful. And so I think the, 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 the answer is if I, the, the, I want you to encourage you to find your joy this Christmas by spending time with him. Yeah, there's some level of joy, and I'm thankful for the Christmas opportunities and the, the cheerfulness and the, the Merry Christmas greetings and all of that, but, but really, ultimately, we're going to find our joy by spending time with Jesus, by getting in his presence. And that means, look, I, I know it's a busy week coming up, Right, because you have your last-minute shopping to do, and you have things to wrap and, and packages to send before, you know, like today or tomorrow or the next day. Or you have all the parties from work and all the social obligations and everything like that. But I just want to encourage you to, to grab hold of your schedule and make some time to be with Jesus. Take some time just to go read his story. Take some time to reflect and talk to him about what's going on in your life. And to take some time to remember the good things that he's done, the good news that you've experienced. And really encourage you to make sure you take some time um, next Saturday to come to Christmas Eve service. Because that, that has a way, I don't know, for me, it definitely has a way of just refocusing my attention after a busy holiday traffic and malls and all that to focus it back on where it belongs. So I think there's, a, I think there's hope of, of finding our joy in Jesus' presence of this time of year. <clears throat> and so inner joy, you know, eventually is going to make its way out. And so it's, like I said, it's meant to be shared, that, that, it's, that we experience it by knowing Jesus but we're going to see how, how Mary, we've seen how Elizabeth responded to good news. Let's now see how Mary responds to good news. We're going to see that Mary actually breaks out in song. Okay, I don't know if she literally breaks out in song or not, but this, this um, verse 46 and following, it's called the Magnificat, 
And it's, it's referred to as a song. In other words, it's in verse form. It doesn't show it in the, on the slide, but if you open your Bible, you can see it's kind of arranged in verse form. So at least it's kind of a poem, and, but it's called a song. The Magnificat is taken, there's a Latin word in the first phrase of the, of the song where she says, how my soul praises the Lord. That word praises is, is the word magnifies the Lord. How my soul magnifies the Lord. So magnify in Latin, magnificat, that gives us the name of this song. So I don't know, it, it's kind of, when I read this, I kind of like, oh, this feels like a musical, like where people are talking at any second, you know, somebody could just burst out in song. It's like, oh, where did that come from? And Mary just kind of burst. I don't know if she actually belted out the music, but again, she expressed this joy in this particularly, you know, kind of, kind of overt way. Let's see what she says. She says, Mary, uh, Mary responds, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one is holy. He's done great things for me. You see the joy in there? She says, man, I'm rejoicing. She's rejoicing in her salvation. She knows that God the Deliverer has showed up. He showed up for her, for her people. And it's, it's amazing that her Savior is her own child. But she's rejoicing here. You see, rejoicing that, that God knows her, that God sees her, that God has blessed her. And again, you see the humility that, that comes with this. He goes, wow, not only has God seen me, not only has God delivered me, but he delivered me. Look at me, I'm just a lowly servant girl. And he took notice of me. And I can't believe that people are going to remember me. And God has blessed me so much. There's this humility that comes with her joy. And I think it feeds her joy. So, so let me ask you this question this morning. What has God done for you that you didn't deserve? Think about that for a minute. Gosh, I don't even know where to start. What has God done for you that you don't deserve? And I think, man, God has forgiven all of my sins. I didn't deserve that. God has given me this new life. He's given me a new hope and a new future. I think back to back in my college years when I first came to faith in Jesus, what my life was a mess. And God rebuilt it or reshaped it. And, and God has given me uh, new hope, a new purpose, and new significance. Sally and I, I mean, we look around and we marvel. We say, wow, God has given us this incredible, rich tapestry of relationships in our life. I don't deserve that. God has blessed us materially. In, in ways that we couldn't account for by our own hard work or our own diligence. And, you know, but far beyond that, he's, he's just done so much for us. And I want you to think, what has God done for you today that you don't deserve? And what's your response to that? To give him praise? That leads to worship, right? I'm going to give him praise. I'm going to tell him, yes, God, I acknowledge that. This is who you are. Wow. But also... Our response to that is to proclaim it, to tell other people about what God has done and about how I've experienced that in my own life. 
So here's Mary's song. This is the first part of it. She starts with personal reflections about herself. She talks about my soul, you know, what God has done for me, and so forth. But then in the next verses, she moves outward to a wider scope. She's going to talk about God's work in the whole world, starting in verse 50. And so she says, she continues, God shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He's scattered the proud and haughty ones. He's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. So Mary's proclaiming what she knows about God. He's merciful to those who fear him. That word that fear him doesn't mean cowering before God as some angry kind of wrathful deity, but it means being humble before him and honoring him and putting him first. He says he's merciful to those who acknowledge him. But to the proud, to the arrogant, she says, those people are going to be dealt with. Those are the people who oppress others. Those are the exploiters of society, and they're going to be dealt with. They're going to answer to God someday, and that gives her hope, gives her encouragement. So, so her, she realizes that people whose only hope is God will be blessed, will be filled. But people who trust in their own wealth and their own power are going to be brought down. That gives hope. We may not see that in our life in every situation. We may see some people get away with it. But one day they'll be, they'll be answering to God. And this is like, this is like he's, she's saying that, okay, the, the George Baileys are going to have their due and the Mr. Potters are going to be brought down. Right? So there's hope for us in this world. That's the kind of God that we serve. That kind of God deserves our celebration. He deserves to be praised and proclaimed. And then, so her song begins with her own experience. It moves to talk about the experience of the whole world and God's dealing with the world. But then she concludes her song by considering God's work toward his people. And so you see here in verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. So she reminds us of God's unfailing faithfulness to his people Israel. Even when they wandered away. You read the story of the Old Testament, and it seems to be it's all about how Israel kept wandering away. And they kept leaving God behind. And over and over again, he, he brought them back. And in all of their rejection of him and all of their idolatry and apostasy, God continued to be merciful and he never broke his promises to them. The greatest promise that God ever made to Abraham or to his children would be the birth of this Messiah. You know how a promise, if it doesn't get fulfilled in a long time, you start to wonder if it's really real? For years and generations and centuries, the people have been waiting for the Messiah to come. And I'm sure there must have been many people who wondered, you know, is that just like folklore? But then, bam, God acted at the right time. He always kept his promises to his people, and God's still doing that for his people. He will keep his promises to you, and even to his church. Jesus promised, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Has Jesus kept that promise? Well, he started with just a few, a handful of followers, and now there are millions of Christ followers all around the world in every country of the, of the, of the globe. And his church 
has withstood all the challenges that have come against it for 2,000 years, the challenges of heresy, the challenges of persecution, and even the challenges of prosperity that we are challenged by in our, great, in our age today. Jesus has kept keeping his promise to us. But back to the big picture, Elizabeth is filled with joy when the mother of her Savior shows up and she expresses that aloud. Mary's filled with joy over God's working in her life and in the world around her and she gives voice to God's goodness that, that inner joy will overflow and be expressed. And we also have plenty of reason for joy I want to express that in praise. I want to express that by proclaiming God and his good news to others. I don't mean going out on a street corner with a bullhorn or something like that. I just mean when there's an opportunity for me to point my joy to God and let somebody else in on that, then that could, that could be part of any normal conversation in life. And I want to do that because it's in me. I don't want to squelch it. I don't want to hide it. So here's, let me, let me tell you a little bit about my personality. <clears throat> I'm an introvert. And for me, personally, that means I could live in my head a lot. I like to be, like be kind of quiet and watch what's going on in the room. And I, I could live in, in this little world up here, you know, for a long... I can go with, for days on end without having to say anything. I'm okay with quiet. Maybe some of you get that. Some of you go like, that's the strangest thing you ever heard, right? But... Here's the downside of that. I had to learn over my life to express what's going on inside, inside this little private world of mine. I have to, I've had to learn how to express that, and I still don't always do it like I should, so I don't always express my, even my positive emotions, and that's not always a good thing, right? Because, for example, I could be thinking all day long, all day long I could be thinking, Sally, my wife, she's so awesome. I could just be thinking, man, she's, so, she's beautiful, and she's vivacious, and she's caring, and she's so encouraging, and all the rest. End of the day, I have forgotten to say anything, <laughs> to express that in any way. And that's not a good thing, right? And so my application today, as we're looking at Luke, is I, I'm, I need to be more aware of when the Holy Spirit fills me with joy, when I'm amazed at God and I'm going like, yay, God, wow, that I need to express that. I can express it in praise and worship. We do that right here, but not just here and when we're gathered together in a worship service, but all day long. Tell God, you know, this God, you're awesome. And then I want to express that in proclamation, just telling other people. What God is doing in my heart, in my head. So who, final question for you guys today, who is going to hear your song this Christmas Eve? You know, even if uh, you aren't feeling joyful, I pray that you can find that joy in the presence of Jesus this week. But as you do begin to feel joyful, as you are feeling joyful, who's going to hear about that? Are we going to stuff that in? Or are we going to be able to, to express that to others around us? Family, friends. I, I just want to ask, as you experience his joy, who are you going to tell? Who are the most natural people in your life to tell what God has done for you? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much <clears throat> for your work 
Your amazing work in our lives. Your work in this world. You sent a savior. Humanity so broken and so needy. And you dealt with it. You answered it. Answered the, the problem, the crisis, by sending a savior into the world to make it right, starting with each one of us, one at a time, to make the world right, to forgive our sins, to make us new, to give us new hope, new purpose, new meaning in life. So, Father, as you've done all that, we pray that this would not become old news to those who are Christians here, that maybe some have been Christians a long time. And, Father, I pray that we wouldn't just forget how amazing what you've done in our life is. That, that we would, it wouldn't become just blasé, but that you'd fill that reality with new joy, with new meaning, and stir it up in us, Father. That we would get in touch with what you're doing. We'd get in touch with you personally, and you'd, you'd begin to work your joy in us. Pray that this would be a joy, a week of joy for each and every person in this room. This be a week of joy for us, for each one of us, and that we'd not only find it within, but we'd find voice to it as well, to give you the honor that you deserve for what you've done. Father, we pray in Jesus' name for his glory and his honor. Amen.